Good morning, everybody. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, because I'm so, I, I always thought of myself as tall, but I've come to realize I'm kind of short. Yeah, that's fine. But, um, so I want to be able to see everybody, look in everybody's eyes. And uh, so I want to ask the question, to start right off, is will you tell people about Jesus? That's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Will you tell people about Jesus? It's a wonderful privilege to be up here uh, sharing God's word. I told God a long time ago, I said, God, I want to be a mouthpiece for you. And if you ever give me an opportunity to share Jesus and to testify of you, the answer is yes. So I don't have to think about it. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to um, squirm and wonder and, oh, God, should I do this? Should I not do this? Because the answer is already yes, unless I'm already committed to something else, of course. But um, So it's a wonderful privilege to be here, and for um, I appreciate the team giving me this opportunity to share with you. It's a wonderful privilege to know Jesus. I'm 60 years old. I'm a wife, and I'm a mom, and I'm a grandma. I'm a daughter of the king. I received Jesus when I was five years old. And uh, for the last 55 years, I have not always fixed my eyes on Jesus. But I'm so thankful that he has never taken his gaze off of me. And he has walked with me, and he's led me and guided me. And I love Love, love Jesus, and I want to know him more and more. And the older I get, the more I realize I know him less, and I want to know him even more. And uh, so um, the reason we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day is because we forget that gratitude. We forget to be thankful, and we forget to tell other people. And the love story of the ages is that God created you and me. And he didn't do it because he needed us. He didn't do it because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. He wanted us as a people, and he wanted to have relationship with us. And we, we walked away and fell short of the glory of God and, didn't, and missed the mark. He had already made provision for his son Jesus, to send his son Jesus to live a perfect life and be raised up to die on the cross, someone who didn't deserve it. He died for us who did deserve death. And he died for us so that we could be set free, so that we could come into right standing with God. We could come into his presence, and he raised again on the third day, and he's coming back for us. But in the meantime, he left his Holy Spirit to fill us and to comfort us and to guide us and teach us <clears throat> and correct us and go before us and to be with us. It's a wonderful thing. And we've got to preach that to ourselves every day so we don't forget because we get so busy and we get so distracted by the things of this world, don't we? And uh, we've got to preach ourselves to us every day so that we <clears throat> know the importance of preaching it to others. And uh, I have a little granddaughter. I've got seven grandchildren in Texas. And my granddaughter is three years old, named Nova. And she's got a brother, George, and a sister named Charlie, or Charlie Girl. 
And George and Charlie like to go into their bedroom and shut the door before she gets there. And she can't open the door. It's too hard for her to open the door. But they shut the door because they want to work on their Legos or whatever, and they don't want her in their way. And so she comes to the door, and she knocks on it. She says, guys, let me in. I love you. I want to spend time with you. Let me in. I love you. I want to play with you. And we don't have to do that with God. <laughs> he loves us. He wants to spend time with us. And we have this wonderful privilege that he has lowered the scepter and says, come into my presence, daughter, son, and I want to spend time with you. I am a control freak grandma, Ron. I realized that yesterday. I want to be with my grandkids all the time. I want to see them grow up. I want to love them. I want them to love me and know me. I want to be the favorite grandma. And I make no bones about that. So I, uh, I was recently in Texas watching four of my grandchildren full time for 13 days while my kids were on a ministry trip. And uh, one of those times, it was um, uh, my two grandsons are in all-star all Little League. And it was the very first game my seven-year-old Graham was playing. And so I'm, you know, it's going to be this special time with him. And the kids were somewhere else. The other kids were somewhere else. I'm driving him. And then I got lost. And then I started getting more and more and more anxious. And then I, I'm texting the coach while I'm at a stoplight um, and saying, I'm lost. I'm so sorry. I was supposed to get him there at 5.15. The game starts at 6. And I'm like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm a horrible grandma. I'm the worst grandma in the world. And uh, so then one of the parents called me and kind of walked me through and said, you know, okay, where, where are you, ma'am? And, uh, you know, we're coming down this. And he says, I said, i got to make a decision right now. I can either go this way toward Houston or this way toward Galveston. He says, well, ma'am, you want to get off the, off the ramp and you want to go to Galveston. I said, are you sure that doesn't make sense? And, and ma'am, I know exactly where you are. You want to get off the ramp. Anyway, so he got me through there and, um, and I got him there. Four minutes before the All-Star game started, and he's plays third, and all the kids are going, come on, Graham, we're waiting for you. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a bad grandma. And that happened several times during this trip. But then there were other times, <laughs> not that exact scenario, but there were other times when I said, I'm the best grandma in the world. <laughs> I'm the favorite grandma. But you know what? It's all based on performance, I realized yesterday when you talked, Ron. So uh, I'm so glad that our relationship with Jesus is not based on performance. So we don't add anything to it. He just loves us. We, are, we have this identity in him. And uh, he has made a way for us. So... Um, C.S. Lewis talks about different evidences for Christ. He talks about creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. He talks about conscience, you know, his laws are written on our hearts. He talks about the, the life of Christ, which is documented, um, one of the most documented uh, historical evidences of a person, their life and their words and their actions. But I think that one of the most um, vivid evidences of the life of Christ is a changed life. Somebody who came, comes to Jesus, and we are becoming the message, right? And, and uh, a changed life. And so for 2,000 years, this gospel has spread 
because Jesus left this gospel with his church and said, go and spread the gospel, spread this good news to a hurting and dying world. And so we want to share. We want to use our mouths to tell people about Jesus. He deserves the reward of his suffering. We are his, and he deserves the reward of his suffering. He's told us to love God, love him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love others, love people. Luke 10, 27. <clears throat> and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So we got to love people, love him to obey him. He's told us to go and tell. And then we love people enough to tell him. We often come into contact with people who are on the doorstep of eternity. And sometimes we know they're going to slip into eternity. They're going to die. Sometimes we don't know, and it's like a complete shock that they die. But uh, without a relationship with Jesus before they take that last breath, they are going to suffer an eternity in hell, gnashing of teeth, pain and suffering for all eternity. It's worse than you could ever imagine. But to me, the worst thing about hell is an eternal separation from our creator God, eternal separation from the Savior that loves us and died for us and deserves the reward of his suffering. There was an atheist that said, you know, if I believed what you believe, I would crawl on glass on my hands and knees across the nation to tell people about what you believe. Are we willing to do that? It's not a club for few. Jesus said that I would that all come to me. It's a broad invitation. And so before Jesus ascended to heaven with the Father, he said something very important to his disciples. These are his last words when he's here on the earth. And he said in Mark 16, 15 to 20, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was re received into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. And when they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working through them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So we're commanded to preach the gospel everywhere. And he gives us all this power, all these miraculous things that he's going to give us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 18 and 20 said, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore. So you do likewise. You go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And then Acts 1.8 that we just heard about, the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this power, it's not in our own strength. 
We don't have the answer. <laughs> We're not going to save people. It's nothing about us. Jesus has the answer, and the Holy Spirit is going to work through us in order for them to hear, and the Holy Spirit will draw them to him, and, uh, and they will be saved. Preacher's Outline and Sermon Bible Commentary says this, The believer is given a task by God, a mission to carry out on earth. The believer does not have the power to carry out that task. The power of God himself, of his spirit, is needed. Therefore, Christ promises you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. Both the spirit of God and his power are promised. But note the critical point. The Holy Spirit comes upon believers as an equipping power. The major purpose for his coming is to equip the believer to carry out his task for God. So we're not the answer, but we get to be the tool, a tool in God's hands, a vessel for his use. And it's what a wonderful, wonderful privilege that it is. That it was Jesus' plan to communicate the gospel, to share the gospel, to propagate the gospel through the church and through us as believers in him, followers of Christ. And um, I heard this example at, at, actually it was my son's church a couple weeks ago, but it's a great example. If you think of a fire, um, a fireman, and firemen go out to, to put out fires and to rescue people. And so they have this huge truck with this huge reservoir of water. And they hook up the hose to that reservoir. And then they get to the fire and they uncrank the, the, whatever it is, the handle. And then they point the hose and it has such power and effectiveness that it can go for, for uh, stories, you know, like way further than we could possibly even go on a ladder. And it has power and effectiveness. Now, those firefighters, they could play a trick and they could... You know, one of them could play a trick on the other, and they could crimp the hose, and it loses the power and effectiveness, and the water is just going to kind of trickle out. Or they could refuse to open up the, the handle so that the water comes out. Or they could fail to put the water in as a reservoir for that to come out. But we have power and effectiveness available to us through the Holy Spirit. We've got to tap into that on a consistent, daily, hourly, minute-by-minute -minute basis and let that flow out through us for that power and effectiveness. We could get too busy. We could say, oh, it costs too much, too much of my energy and time and resources. We could do things that will stop the power and effectiveness by just refusing to obey or refusing to uh, walk according to what he desires for us. So we need to live lives that influence and inspire others to love and follow Jesus. Live a life of sacrifice, interrupting what's important to us. Are we willing to interrupt our lives and, the, and what's important to us, to do what's important to him. He would that all men and women would come to him. And we get busy with the things of God, and it's all good, but sometimes we got to get back to, you know what? God put this person in front of me. And not seeing that as an obstacle to get around or get over or get under. <laughs> We go to the, we ask God, give me divine appointments. So we go to the grocery store and we see somebody that's like, oh, I know this is going to be a long conversation. I know this person's hurting and they're going to, you know. 
and they're an obstacle in our path. When God said, I, I want you to be my vessel, I want you to tell people, I want you to share, I want to use you as my hands and feet and mouth, mouthpiece to the world, to the dying world. And sometimes it gets messy, and sometimes they're stinky, <laughs> and sometimes they're not, it's not comfortable, and, and we don't like it. Um, my seven-year-old grandson, again, Graham, um, I had the, I've had the privilege the last two years, I happened to have been there on his birthday, so I was in there in March, and so I get to spend just special extra time just with him, him and me, and so I sat him down and I said, Graham, what's it like to be in a big family with four kids? That's a lot of kids, and he goes, oh, yeah. I said, what's that like to live in a big family like that? And he goes, well, it's a lot of work. He said, uh, the more people you have, the more messes you have, the more time you have to clean up, and then that takes away your time playing with your friends. So it can get messy. Proverbs 14.4 says, without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for the har large harvest. So the harvest gets messy. <laughs> but we need to be out there doing it. And... Uh, telling them, being intentional, watching, doing it with humility, and, um, you know, respecting everyone's journey. We all have a story of how God came to us, and how he drew us, and then we finally, you know, yeah, and he actually, he gives us everything that we need to come to him. He actually gives us the faith that we need to believe on him, but the Holy Spirit draws us, and so all of us have a story, and sometimes we get mad at people who won't come to Jesus, and it's like, it's like, oh, you know, why don't they just believe, and I've just been praying for decades for this person, and they're so stubborn, and they're never going to believe, and God wants us to do this thing with humility, and he's got a journey. He's got a story that he's creating in their lives, and you just, you just listen to the Holy Spirit. You do the dance, the ballroom dance of, you know, being in sync, and when he, you know, when he um, uh, puts the pressure on your back or he squeezes your hand and you know what you're to do, you know you're to turn or to... Um, go out, um, the, the, pres the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is so real that you're just listening to him. And so you're just doing your part, and you're not forcing anything. And it's not our responsibility. We just say, listen to the Holy Spirit. We say, God, use my mouth to tell people about Jesus. When he puts people in front of us and he says, okay, now, push the go button, then we're radically obedient, even if it's embarrassing, even if we, they may reject us, we tell others about Jesus. And we let God, the Holy Spirit, do the rest. As lead couples, we model it. We model everything. If you want your church to be warm and friendly, you have to be warm and friendly. You know that. <laughs> you want people to be hospitable and have people in their homes, you need to have people in your homes. If you want people to share Jesus, you have to share Jesus, and they have to be, they have to see that in you. And, um, you know, this challenges me to my core. I'm on an airplane at least twice a month, sometimes four times, six times, eight times. And the last thing I want to do is sit by somebody and share Jesus with a total stranger. I want to work or I want to just, you know, vegetate in my mind and be able just to relax and rest. 
Um, we have many, many opportunities. And so this message is something that is resonating in me, and it's something that I have to correct in myself. There are people dying. There's too many people dying. We have people in our own body. Um, you know, a 34-year-old woman that was seven months pregnant died. She has three other children. Um, a, a, a father of two children died suddenly. And um, we've got many widows. And, and we have to tell people about Jesus. If they take that last breath and they don't know Jesus, they will not be with him in eternity. And even my own father last month passed away. And I, was, I, had, such, I had the privilege of being there with him in his last days, his last five days of life. And, and, and the first day that I got there, they had called me and said, you're not going to make it. He's not going to live. And, and I got in an airplane, and I got there, and I had 24 hours with him. And where he was conscious, I was able to talk to him. And, um, and, but even knowing that my dad was a minister, he preached the gospel in every continent. He loved Jesus. He told people about Jesus everywhere he went. I still, at his deathbed, I said, I, I said Dad, okay you've received Jesus, you believed on him, that, you, that he died for your sins, and you've received him as your Lord and Savior, and he's gone to prepare a place for you, and Jesus is coming, and he's going to take you to be with him for all eternity. I just wanted that assurance, Dad, <laughs> you're going to go to Jesus, and so I'm, this is my encouragement to you. Some of you have parents, some of you have Co-workers, some of you have people that you know don't know Jesus. Will you just share? Can you just say, hey, you know what? I've given my life in service to serving Jesus. Can I just tell you why? Can I just tell you about that? Can you say that and just share with them? They may reject it, but at least you've, they've heard the message of Jesus. We've got to share the message of Jesus. Tell them now. Tell them again. And that's all. God, help us. Help us, Lord, to open our mouths and to take those opportunities in Jesus' name.